You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome back to Half Hour with Jeff and Ruchi, the show where we peel back the curtain on the latest and greatest in musical theater and movie musicals. Today we're unpacking the glitz, glamour, and drama of the new movie musical, Mean Girls. I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. And I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. So if you love the Broadway musical Mean Girls, or if you're just a fan of the original flick, come join us for the next half hour. Half hour! Hello, everybody. Just a heads up, we're not holding back on spoilers in this episode, so if you haven't caught the film yet, now's your chance to hit pause and go check it out. So, I think many people have probably seen Mean Girls or some in some way or form, so we don't really need to get too much into the about about this show, so let's just jump right into this. And let's talk about this fresh take on Mean Girls. How do you feel that this stacks up to the Broadway show? And the beloved 2004 movie. So I think it's kind of a nice, you know, it's interesting because I am, this might be like a shock to many or maybe not a shock to many, but I'm not, I wasn't like a really big fan of this movie in 2004. I saw it. I saw bits and pieces of it. Then I saw it. I know it's very quotable. I think it's fun. I understand the message of it. I don't really think it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. I wasn't obsessed with it. So then it came to Broadway and I actually liked the musicalization of it. Some songs I liked better than others, but overall mm-hmm. I thought it was a pretty good translation from film to, to here. Now we're going back and we're taking this mu- this musical and this movie and kind of hybriding it mm-hmm. and putting this new movie out, which is like, it's not quite the original, but it kind of is, but it's also, don't forget all based on a book. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, something going on there. And then there's this stage musical which Sheena Fey and her husband produced and wrote. And now it's like not billed as a musical, which we're going to talk about later. And there's a lot going on. So overall, I'm just, I feel like everything's thrown in a blender and mixed up and kind of whatever you pour into the smoothie glass is what you're going to get. It's kind of how I feel <laughs> So I lo- about this latest film version. So I look at it and I'm like, sure, fun time at the movies, laughed, enjoyed it, didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Wasn't obsessed with it. I just was like, okay, cool. Got I think, it. I think that's fair. Do you know I, what I mean? I do think it's fair to say that. You know, what I find so interesting about this film and now, well, the original film, the musical, and now this film again, it's like Tina Fey's been involved the whole time. She's been in it. The only thing she probably hasn't been in is what, the musical? But yeah, she, she produced but it. But she was still part of it. So it's interesting to see like, her involvement with this it's just like almost like her baby for so long and to see how she's kind of changed the story a little bit with the times so you know it's one thing i don't know i feel like sitting there and watching this film i kind of was like hmm i'm gonna take all of my you know motions of loving the original film and then also like loving the musical and i'm just gonna like leave that out because I was one of those that did really enjoy the musical. Um, And I'm just going to take this and kind of see what it is for what it is. And once Mm -hmm. I was able to do that, I actually really enjoyed this film. But let's talk a little bit about some of these changes that you're talking about, Tina Fey, because how do you feel like Katie Heron and her story has evolved or changed? Because from the movie to the musical to now this, well, first of all, from the original movie to the musical alone, the internal monologue narration was almost omitted because you're telling a live story on stage now. 
Well, and I then, think that's I think that's the biggest change. And it's like it kind of asks the question of like Katie's inner monologues throughout the first a caddy. Uh, Katie. 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 <laughs> oh my god, I'm getting confused now. Katie. Katie. Her um her inner monologue is getting kind of removed from the beginning, which was such an amazing like plot point because everything you hear is what she's internalizing inside. And then when we went to the movie music, uh, the stage musical of this, it was kind of taken and it was given to Damien and Janice. And Damien and Janice kind of narrate this whole story from like her in a mono- inner monologue. So that right away totally stripped so much away from her character right when it went to the stage. And now what I feel like Tina's doing in this again is she's still removing that kind of whole plot point of this inner monologue away from it. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like, I'm going to say this, I wasn't the biggest fan of Katie's character in this movie musical. Yeah, Katie is played by Ingari Rice. I wasn't a huge fan of her. I thought she was okay. And I hate to say this, but I feel like anybody could have just stood in there. And when you look at the Broadway run with Erica Henningsen, who was so talented and so great on stage. I went to school in Michigan with Erica. She's so talented. She's on a million shows. I, I just, I just think that that was really powerful. And I didn't really think that the Katie character was really anything much in this latest film version. Agreed. Because I think what they did with it for the stage, it worked by bringing Damien and Janice into being bigger characters where they were voicing all of Katie's thoughts almost. It's like that worked then. But now when we're going back to the big screen, you kind of, you have that window again to, um, have her inner monologues and instead they decided that's where we're just going to put the music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right which a lot of times ballads or solos in musical theater can account as an internal monologue so sometimes it did translate correctly mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of the focus came to Regina right and I think that is the biggest part to this whole plot in general is that Regina was made to be kind of the lead almost in both the stage and in this new movie. Mm-hmm. She's still, like, Rachel McAdams in the original film is, like, an icon as Regina. She's made that role. And then Taylor Louderman coming in and doing it in the stage, which Renee Rapp ended up taking over on the stage. So it's kind of cool. And I got to see Renee Rapp. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I saw Taylor, too. Yeah. And I saw Taylor. And I saw, I mean, we've all seen uh, Lizzie Lowe. Uh, Rachel McAdams, Rachel McAdams play in the, mm-hmm. the original film to now see Renee Rapp bring her take. And I think it was cool because she wasn't in the run for that long because COVID happened and shut down the show. So it was like she was on the stage for a little bit and then she was cast in the movie. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting because I think that she was one of the only people besides like Ashley Park from the original production that was cast in this. But it's a little bit of like the villain kind of takes the center stage. Yeah. Um, when I look at Little Mermaid, I just think Ursula is like, great. When I look at okay. Aladdin, I'm like, great Aladdin, but Jafar is really cool. Like, awesome Belle, but Gaston's got a great number. Like, so there's a lot of times, not to compare this to a Disney show, but there's a lot of times we're like, yeah, let's look at the villain a lot here because I think there's a lot to going on there. And so that's what they kind of skewed towards for sure. Well, I just find it interesting because I feel like there was more character development added to Regina's character in both the stage production and this new movie. And mm-hmm. where character development was taken away from Caddy, though. Uh, Kate. 
gosh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> gonna do that I'm going to, I'm going to do it the whole episode, <laughs> but I wanted to kind of move into the direction. They're all, all the overall performances and designs. We'll be right back. Welcome back. How did you feel the direction from Samantha Jean and Arturo Perez Jr. since this was both their directorial debut? How did you feel they did um, as movie directors here? I thought it was choppy. I thought yeah. it was okay. There was it was almost like when we got to um, Revenge Party or someone gets hurt when when that when the the lights go down and they all are in the house right after Halloween and and. Renee Rapp's walking around and there's all this choreo and lighting and direction and camera work. I'm like, oh my gosh, did they just spend a week filming that? Nice. And then, then we go 20 minutes and I'm like, uh, so there was inconsistency and it was clear that they only put a lot of time and energy to me, it seemed, in certain moments of the film instead of a whole film in general. And maybe like, are you nervous doing this with Tina Fey involved? And, and well, I don't know, I don't know I mean, you know? Because I think Lauren Michaels was producing too from SNL. I'm pretty sure he was involved too, like the musicals. You know, that's a big comedy names to kind of have to please. My overall feeling on it, though, is that like the color purple, there were directorial moments for these music scenes that were directed like music videos once again. When you watched some of these scenes, like Revenge Party lives on its own. You could take that right out of the movie and put that up on YouTube and people will watch it. The same thing until someone gets hurt. Renee's song, cut that out of the movie, put it up on YouTube, and it's going to be a hit. And I'm sure they're going to do that with a many of these songs. Aside from that, too, all of the music was completely changed from the stage. Yeah, and I and I do have a little bit of an issue with some of that mm-hmm. because I I'm going to save that to the end because I want to okay. talk about that at the end. Let's save that because I want to well, get to some cast things first. We'll compare and contrast. We're going to talk about that. Let's, okay. go to, let's go to cast. Who are standouts for you? What did you think of Angari Rice as Katie, Renee Rapp as Regina George, and some of the other characters? Who are your standouts? Uh, my big standout is Renee. She owned this, mil- this film. People are going to love her. She has a huge fan base. I loved it. Um, Joaquel Spivey and Bold. Ali. 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 As, as Damien and Janice, I think they also were scene stealers every single time, which it's the same thing for the um, the stage production. It was the same way. Damien and Janice kind of steal the show there when it was um, Gray Henson and Barrett playing those roles. They stole it. It was so great. And they have such great moments in here. Um, I was a little disappointed that Damien didn't get more music time especially since he's like a tony award winner from broadway singing his face off for two and a half hours in strange loop for a year you know like you know you would think they would have featured more of him like but he's like bringing the comedy and other than that i mean no one else really blew me away i felt bad for people like phoebe wood and avantika whose characters kind of were really stripped down very stripped down and i I thought they were almost had to overact them because they were not given enough time on stage i thought yeah you know and especially from on the film i should say the 2004 film, they're such iconic characters. The stage production, they also, there's so much development with them, whether you like their music or not, it is there. And there's so much with them because I think the plastics as a whole are big in all of the other productions. And this time they were kind of like an afterthought. Yeah, because in the, in the original film and in the Broadway show, they're very afraid of the plastics. 
They're very, you stay away from them. I didn't yeah. really feel like everyone felt comfortable enough to stay away from them in this new movie. Maybe that was a pur- purposeful choice. Maybe. But uh, the Aaron Samuels didn't really stay out for me. And um, the, I will say one thing about Busy Phillips. She's her own. She's fun. It was fun, kind of, it, it was a little too Amy Poehler at times. Yeah, and it, it would have been it would have been the perfect moment for her to like really just do something a little different with the character. But she could have been away made it her own. But also, I will. I've always said this. Regina George's mom is my favorite character in the whole thing. Yeah. But I, also, I, I but I'll her. say something. I feel like her character was also stripped down a little bit from. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it wasn't outrageous. And I think this movie was missing a little bit of like things just being outrageous. Because well, in, 2000, wonder... in the 2004 film, when you're watching so much of the bullying and stuff like that, you're like, oh, wow, this is like actually really happening in the real world. But and it was also outrageous at times to where this didn't feel that way. This felt very like safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will agree with you on all the casting things. I think I agree with the people that stood out. It is also really nice to see Tina Fey and Tim Meadows up there doing their roles again yeah. um, and that they were partners in the characters are partners in the show is kind of cool to see that yeah um and i also thought it was really cool to see Lindsay lohan appear at the very end and tina fey said in an interview when you don't expect cameos at the end of a film there she is and that was yeah. I think, purposely done that they threw her in way at the end makes complete sense i thought it was a very smart especially if you didn't know there was leaks that she was in it but um it was like oh if you didn't know she was going to be there and then she's the mathlete moderator at the end very cool choice well, you had said something to me and you were like, oh, there's a surprise in the film. And I had no idea what it was. I didn't even put two and two together that it was going to be her. So I actually had that wow factor of like at the end, she's there. And I'm like, oh, how smart mm-hmm. to put her as like the person running the mathlete event. So, yeah, it was cool. But how do you feel like the set costumes and overall look of this film kind of hit the mark or didn't hit the mark? So for me, I thought what was interesting was obviously we're set in the modern day. So phones are bigger. Phones were still around in 2004 with the film, but it was like landline, three-way calling, things like that. But when things went viral in the school, they showed that through social media and phones. Mm -hmm. Even to the point where she didn't go to a photocopier and photocopy the bird book and she took pictures of it or left it there in the school and everyone went up and took pictures of it with their phone. To me, that's really smart. Mm-hmm. It's smart writing and it's smart direction to take this film. And maybe if they were to do it again in another 20 or 30 years, maybe there'll be something else that's new that there's a way that news translates through a school. Um, so there were definitely some great choices in that costumes, scenery, lighting, I, the, the movie, um, video music video style filming of it was kind of cool. The camera work with the different editing of it. It was fine. It was nice. I don't think anything was outlandishly crazy. I thought the costumes were fine. I think, Renee Rapp's character really stood out because I remember the plastics in 2004 being everything was very prim and proper and tight skirts and, and, and fitted things. And everything was so like, oh, we are, because in 2004, that's what was maybe, right? Yeah. Even, even Broadway Musical kind of did that. The tight white pants that um, she would wear with the pink heel. Right. And then with Renee, it was very like what a lot of Gen Z kids wear today mm-hmm. in school are like, a baggier clothing or the, or the off the shoulder sweatshirt or the high rise pants, like the things that are more in. So that was smart costume design, I thought. And I thought they took it to the modern day 
for the most part, pretty smart like that. I, I feel like I'm going to disagree with you a little bit okay. on, on the costumes. I almost felt like they were a little cheap looking. Okay. And of all of the three characters that should not look cheap, it should be the plastics because they're always there to separate themselves from the rest of the school. And I feel like if they were walking down the hallway with the rest of the school, they didn't stand out. They just blend in. And that would have been my only call out. Like, like Regina's rich and she didn't look rich at times. She looked like she was at, you know, shopping at Urban Outfitters. And where was like the brand of Regina being there? You know, that was the only thing I would say, like, looked kind of like low budget. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So other than that, I thought there were some pretty cool moments in terms of like set and design there and how the musical numbers were um, filmed. But that that was really it. Yeah. Yeah. And the differences between the stage and the film versions, some of it translated, some of it didn't. What did you think overall in terms of like how different this was from the Broadway show versus maybe how similar it was? Okay, so this is what I'm going to say again about like this film. I think this film is meant to live on its own. And by Tina Fey even saying like this is a hybrid between the musical, stage musical, and the original 2004 film, I really got the effect that this was a hybrid. And it, yeah, I think it leads to a bigger question that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But when you take all of that away, and you look at this as it's a blend of the two movies, I think they did a pretty decent job with like getting it to that point. And I agree with some of what you're saying. And then I have a whole opinion on this whole thing, taking a step back and looking at this with a wider lens. I have a whole different opinion on the thing in general. So yes, the specific film, sure. There were some nice things going on. I think I have a problem with everything that led up to it. Okay. So let's kind of go into this, my, the marketing of this, my experiences with this. We'll be right back. Let's jump back into things. So which should, big... we, which should we talk about first? Because I feel like there's two things. Let's talk about the marketing of them. Or actually, it's three things. Let's talk about the marketing. Let's talk about how it was actually presented and then also let's talk about fan feedback here because there's like and let's say the fan feedback for the and our feedback for the end too yeah so what if you follow timeline this comes to broadway it sells tickets it does very well it actually gets a ton of tony nominations and doesn't win one disappointing Mm -hmm. it runs and then it closes due to the Um, pandemic yeah it's close so so i'm like okay it closes so now then we hear a movie musical version is coming Mm-hmm. And we hear, if you, I, I don't know if you remember this, it was going to go direct to streaming. Mm-hmm. And apparently this past summer, they tested it with a bunch of audiences in theaters and audiences took to it. And the last minute Paramount said, nope, let's put it in the movie theaters instead. They didn't do a Christmas release. It was January, Martin Luther King weekend. Kind of makes sense because a lot of people are like done with the holidays, looking for stuff to do on the weekends, laying low. And it did so well in the box office. So, yeah. Um, it got, well, it got mixed reviews through reviews, but financially speaking, it did very well. Here's my problem. It, it, cl- it definitely has done financially well because it's already made back its money double. Yeah, so. but maybe it was a slightly lower budget film for direct-to-streaming, and now they're making their money. You know, I don't know. But here's my problem with it. I'm really kind of sick and tired of people thinking that they can just 
change the definition of something to please them. Mm -hmm. This is a movie musical. So like, let me just, just hear me out. This was uh, so when she's sitting there and she starts immediately going, Oh, your hair looks good. Push back. When I was five, I felt that that's literally the definition of a musical. When you start singing your emotions in a solo song. And then when she's on the swing and we go into montage moments. So don't tell your audience at $18 a ticket that it's one thing. And then people go and they, and they hear it's another thing. Well, Own what? No, wait. Hold on. I'm not done. I'm not finished my thoughts on what mm-hmm. this is. And I'm kind of getting a little sick and tired of, oh, well, let's make it a musical for Broadway, but then let's not say it's a musical. You used actual literal songs. I don't care if you change the orchestrations. I don't care if you change the lyrics. You took songs from a Broadway musical, multiple, and throughout the plot, told a story through a song, which is what a musical is. And this even color purple not saying it was a musical and then actually making it a music. I don't like that deception. Call it what it is and own what you're doing. Be proud that it's a musical. Own the fact that you music your husband Tina Fey wrote this music and he is going to be billed as that. And you're telling this story through music. I'm so sick and tired of hiding behind the. Well, it's not really, especially when Glee and High School Musical, the musical, the series, and all the, and Broadway is booming with musical theater. How, how could you hide like that? I'm disappointed that there was such misguided information with this and that everyone's like, oh, it's a musical, but no, it's not, but it is. But even the head of Paramount saying, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's not really. Come on. We are smarter than that. And I'm going to go back to what I always say here on FR Podcast, which Patty LaPone just said this week. Trust your audience. Trust them that they're going to hear that this is a movie. Do I ever, do you ever see a horror movie come out, Jeff? And you say, well, it's kind of a horror movie, but it's not really. It's a little suspenseful. And oh, one time someone will stab someone and there will be blood and it will be horror and someone's going to scare you. But it's not a horror movie, by the way, Jeff, because it's not because it's not a horror. Has ever hurt? And to me, it's like no, we do have subgenres of film for a reason to people to maybe understand if it's a rom com, it's a horror, it's a drama. And to me, I sit here and I say, you don't trust your audiences that they're going to come enjoy this movie, and and instead they're going to bad talk it because it's a musical. But it was successful as a musical on Broadway. I don't know. I'm a little burned by. Just a little bit, because I think the the art form worked in some ways, but then in some ways you're going to say, no, it's not going to work. But then people still like the music and listen to it. Actually, I just read that the streams of the Broadway soundtrack skyrocketed. People went to go listen to the more upbeat orchestrations, which were omitted from the movie. So I'm disappointed in that aspect of the whole way this rolled out. That was what was most disappointing. To me. Sorry, that was really long. Now I would love to hear what you have to say. So dramatic. Listen, I hear you, but I think that you have to look at things a little bit differently here because you're talking about things that are leading to successes in other ways. The musical was successful and the original Broadway cast recording is successful. We should be happy that Listen, many schools and stuff like that might go do this show now and that the original Broadway cast is getting streamed because people are probably listening to it because they want to hear what the original sounded like. And now what does the movie sound like? They had to change the music in some form of a way 
to kind of make this more of a successful movie. Because most of the Broadway music was not going to work in this film. It was going to come off as corny, cheesy. And the way that they did change some of the music, I do think actually worked. And I would listen to it in my car. Disagree. Some, I didn't say all. I said some. Some some of these slowed down acoustic coffee shop vibes of some of this slow music with every song almost. I'm like, that was what I was so disappointed was I was missing the splash. I know, but that might get played at a coffee shop now where the Broadway cast recording wouldn't. So now if you're making two versions of the Broadway cast recording and the movie, no one's going to listen to it, period. Look at something like Chicago. Chicago is campy, corny, cheesy Broadway cast recording. The movie is hot, sexy, and like great. And people listen to that. They're two very different takes on that musical. Yes, but the... In 2001 or whatever, Chicago came out, which was one of the first big musicals of a long time when there was a long pause in the 80s into the 90s. I don't think those producers said, let's just call it Chicago and let's cut some songs and let's not put any songs in the trailers. But they did only but but they did only call it Chicago. But it was a movie musical that did extremely well. And they were then proud of. They got very lucky with that being successful. And they presented it as Chicago. If we went back to the trailers for that, I would love to see how they pitched you on it. I remember mm-hmm. it. It's like, I think this has to, na, 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 na. I unfortunately think that has, this has more to do with mainstreams audiences saying musicals. Uh, that's boring. I don't want to sit through a musical. And I think there's more of that. And the fear of the general public putting down the art form of musical theater okay. than there is. That's how I think it is. Question now. Are you happy that more people saw this movie? Or would you be happier if them presenting it and less people saw it? I don't work in the film industry enough to know that, yes, I'm happy that it's successful. I'm, I'm happy that people are seeing singing and dancing on film. Of course, I will always be. But I don't want to ever have to feel like I need to say, oh, well, at least there's a musical out there now. There's so many musicals out there. I think there should just be more pride in what is being put out in calling it a musical. There should just be more pride. Plenty of people knew it was a musical, though, that it was going to have musical numbers. You knew it was. I knew it was. Plenty of people knew that it was going to be a musical. Mm. Some people didn't. And that's where I want to talk about the fans quickly before we have to go. Fans are either loving it or they're hating it. The fans of the Broadway musical, I see them all talking about it and they're saying they absolutely hate the film because it's not the Broadway musical. And then new fans that didn't like the Broadway musical and saw this actually like it because they think the music enhanced the movie. So you're getting a different take on this. And you know, and then you get some people in the middle that are like, we didn't know it was a movie musical, so we're gonna like leave and skedaddle. But like, here's what I'm going to say. If you want to watch the original film, go watch it. If you want to see the stage production, I don't know, find a regional theater that's doing it. But this is a different take on it. And I don't think it is as bad as people are making it out. to. And I don't think it's bad. I just think that I don't want to see the trend of movie musicals being like, we're going to do Wicked, but it's not really a musical. Like, come on. Like, of course it is. So just, and I'm pretty sure that's going to roll out this year as like, this is Wicked, the movie musical based on the Broadway musical, period. 
and then people will go see it or they won't. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, right. But at this point, at this point, if you don't know Wicked's a musical, then I don't know, you're living under a rock. So I don't know with Wicked, but Wicked is already its own other things because we're going to have Wicked part one. And who even knows what the trailer for Wicked's going to be? It's probably going to be like, you know, Cynthia Riva with a green face walking into the shot, no music or anything. And then Christmas or yeah, Thanksgiving, right, right, whatever right, it's happening. Right, and then right. what are you going to say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. We'll yeah. have to say. I, I'm, I'm a fan of put work out there and own what you're doing and call it what it is. And then let the audiences decide for themselves. We see it all the time on Broadway. A show comes. And we always sometimes say, oh, wow, the marketing of that show is so smart. And then we see it and some people at the argue, wait, that was what that show was about? The marketing didn't tell me that. And this is not just in film. Um, uh, music, television, marketing is a big deal. And I think it's a really, really big deal in, in, in this case. And I right, think that they I, just... But I'm going to say something. Clearly, their marketing of this worked. They created they created drama and they created buzz around the fact of like whether to call it a musical or not. Good press or bad press of whatever it was has people talking about it and people went and saw it. So and I will also say that I understand and no one needs to really call me out and say, Richie, stop thinking so black and white with either a play or a musical or a movie. I understand that. How many times do we see something on Broadway or even off Broadway? Like, well, it was a play with some music, but it wasn't a musical, but it was actually an immersive experience. I get it. The art form is molding and meshing. And I get, and that's kind of cool in a way and kind of exciting. Why do we have to follow the norms of it's only this or it's only that? I get it. I'm just saying this because it was based on an actual stage musical where the music was actually put in a musical format already. Bye, Tina Fey's husband. And then it came here and it's like, change the orchestrations, cut songs. Don't tell people it's a musical. Advertise it differently. And that to me looks like we're hiding. And it looks like there's shame. And that's what I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying with this specific example. You it's can what say, it's Right. You can say all you want, but it worked. And when it came out, I'm not saying it didn't. Pulled in a lot of money. But that's how and I see the, it. And the same goes for Color Purple. It had an amazing Christmas opening. So... Listen, well, and, the, and there's others that are coming that are not getting presented as musicals. The next Joker that Lady Gaga is going to be in is a musical. Nobody knows it. What do you have right. to say about that? You know? Right. right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. About. Oh my gosh, we're running out of time. You're chatting and chatting away. Uh, final thoughts, final thoughts on the movie Mean Girls, the movie musical 2024. Go. Final thoughts is what I gave. I think that if you like the movie, if you like the stage production, or you don't like either and you want a different experience, you should check it out. Have your own opinion. Don't care what the critics think. You know, it's just your chance to go and see something different. And I do think there's a lot of talent in this film that should be seen and respected. You know? Yeah. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the best thing I ever saw. I didn't hate it. It was nice. Um, Tina Fey's created a whole thing here. Good for her. You know, she's very smart. Um, and a few things I wasn't a big fan of, but I did laugh a couple times. So it was Love nice. It. And that's my thoughts. Great. Love it. <laughs> so that does wrap up our discussion of the episode today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Mean Girls, the 2024 movie musical. See, I said it. It's called a movie musical. Uh, don't forget, we want to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And let us know your thoughts on Mean Girls, the movie musical. Ha, ha, ha.
And if you enjoyed our show, leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. Remember, you can listen to past episodes and stay tuned for upcoming ones as well. Yes. Uh, until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.